Hello and welcome to the Locked On Leafs podcast. I'm your host, Mike DiStefano. Joined alongside me today, we have a very special guest. We have Wes Wolf, the assistant coach of the Erie Otters. How's it going, Wes? It's going fantastic. Thanks for having me. No, really glad to have you on. Uh, you know, everybody has a lot of more time these days to free themselves up to do podcasts such as this. So I'm glad that you were able to find some time. You're a pretty busy guy these days. I know that you said that this is probably the busiest April you've had since you uh, you made a run all the way to the Mem Cup back when uh, your first year in the OHL. Um, so it's, it's, it's good of you to, uh, to come out and, and uh, chat with me today. So just kind of for people who don't know who Wes is, uh, as I mentioned, he is the assistant coach of the OHL Erie Otters. Uh, how, why don't you sh- kind of quickly share your journey to the OHL bench. It's not too often that uh, that a young pup such as yourself is able to work his way up the coaching ranks so quickly, considering that you didn't really play in the NHL either. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I've been with uh, the Otters since the 16th, 17th season. As, as you uh, alluded to, we were pretty fortunate that year to win an OHL championship and, and go all the way to the Memorial Cup final. But um, I mean, the, the journey there is is probably uh, a podcast into itself, really. But um, I guess long story short, I, I started coaching really young. I, I was about 13 or 14 years old and uh, was a volunteer coach for my brother's house league team. And uh, I mean, I played travel hockey growing up and um, junior C locally in, in Niagara Falls. And uh, just coaching seemed to be something that really caught my attention and um, you know, from, from those early days up, um, you know, I coached everything from house league to select single a, uh, and then eventually triple a hockey, you know, I was 21 years old. Um, the first year I was coaching nine-year-old triple a hockey and, uh, and then things kind of, you know, grew rapidly from there. I, I did four years in the Niagara Falls minor hockey system as a triple a head coach. And then uh, two years at the junior B level, and and I was really fortunate to get the opportunity to uh, to interview with the Otters and, and land a job. And so um, I think I was was twenty six when I was hired by the Otters, and I just turned thirty in October. So time flies. Yeah, time does fly. And uh, you know, your first year in the league, you guys you know won the OHL title and, and made it all the way to the Memorial Cup final. Uh, end up losing to to Windsor, but. Uh, tell me about that season just a little bit. It must have really been a fun ride. You know, there were some absolute studs on that team with, you know, DeBranket and and Strom and and Sorelli, so many good players. Yeah, it was uh, it was a really interesting season. You know, early, we weren't too sure what the status of our team was going to be, uh, whether we were a contender or if we were going to be selling off. I mean, um, that year, Dylan Strom started uh, – in the NHL, the first 10 games of the year with, with the Arizona Coyotes. And Eric Chernak, um, one of our import players uh, from Slovakia, he, he was also up in the American Hockey League. He was at the time uh, in LA system. And so with those two guys out, um, we weren't too sure where we were at. The team had just come off of three straight 50-win seasons. Um, and usually you don't see that type of sustained success in, in junior hockey. And so we were really lucky, um, you know, around October, November, we found out that Cherney was coming back, um, and then Stromer got sent back. And so from there on, it was kind of, uh, all in and, 
you know, it was a really exciting time at the, at the trade deadline. We picked up Anthony Sorelli from Oshawa. We picked up Warren Fogel from Kingston. And, um, you know, it, it was really sort of the culmination of, of four years, really, in Erie. Um, we won 50 games again. That, that's the CHL record that no one has ever done before, four straight 50-win seasons. Um, we really had a great playoff run, uh, had some scary moments, you know, game seven overtime against London. And, uh, you know, we were fortunate to win that one. Fogel scored a big goal. And, uh, and then, you know, kind of walked through from there. We beat Owen Sound in the West final and Mississauga in the OHL final. And uh, it was actually almost three years ago exactly. It was May, May 9th was the night that we were able to uh, pull it off and Sorelli scored the OT winner. And um, that, was, that was a really memorable year for me. You know, uh, even in a short time, like the, the following year, I think we had five players make their NHL debut. So that, that says a lot about the, the amount of talent on that team. And, you know, it was disappointing to, to lose the way we did in the final against Windsor, the host team, but, but they had an incredible team and they worked really hard and, uh, and they deserved it. So uh, bittersweet, but certainly incredible memories. Yeah. And I'm sure you really created a strong bond with a lot of those guys too. When you make a run like that, uh, you still like keep in touch with, with a lot of the players from that team. Yeah, it's, I mean, one of those things you, uh, there's an old quote that, you, you know, you win and you walk together forever. And I think that's certainly the case with that group. Um, you know, I, I keep in regular touch with all of the guys, not, not just the ones who, you know, have moved on to the NHL, but, but other guys who are now playing university hockey in Canada or, or have moved on from their playing careers. We all keep in touch. I think there's actually uh, it's yet to be announced, but we're going to be doing a Zoom conference uh, reunion with everybody. And oh, think, awesome. Yeah, watch a little bit of that championship game five game against Mississauga together. It's uh, it's pretty neat. I mean, I, I've, I've had the opportunity to go and visit some of the guys uh, just this past Christmas, went down to Tampa Bay and watched the Lightning um, win in overtime. Sorelli scored the OT winner. It was pretty <laughs> cool. But him and, him and Cernak are there. Um, and, and, you know, Warren Fogel is a guy that I, I talk to pretty regularly and I've seen him play a couple times in Buffalo with, with the Hurricanes and, um, same thing with Stromer and DeBrinkett in Chicago, they're reunited. And so it's been really, really cool to see their continued success. Yeah. And Fogel actually coming off a big time playoffs with the Hurricanes last season. Uh, so it's, it's nice to even see the guys who were role players, not so much, I guess your, your A1 stars like DeBrinkett. And uh, and Stromworth, you guys like Fogel also make their way through and, and become stars in their own mind. Um, let's fast forward a little bit to, to kind of what's going on currently and, and how the year ended for you guys. You know, the, the CHL decided to, to can the season once the coronavirus hit and everything else uh, got put on pause. You know, kind of what was it like from the insider perspective? Like how much in limbo were you guys when – they first decided to, to hit pause on the year. It was, it was a totally surreal experience. We were actually uh, scheduled to go on the road to play three games in three days. Uh, we were going to Flint, Saginaw, Sarnia. So the, the Wednesday night was the night that the NBA sort of was the first domino to fall. And we kind of woke up to the news that all the major sporting leagues were going to be postponing um, for at least two weeks. And, uh, and we practiced, you know, it was an 11 a.m. skate Thursday. 
we were going to pack the bus after and, and hit the road a day early so we could get up to Flint and, um, you know, get our bearings the day before the game. And we kind of held off. I mean, the, the CHL gave some guidance that there was a call scheduled for 3 p.m. that day. And so really we just kept the guys at the rink. It, it was kind of like we were on lockdown. It was really, really strange experience. We were playing ping pong. Guys were watching TV, taking naps on top of their equipment bags in the middle of the room. And so when the guidance finally came down that, that we were at least two weeks away from playing again, uh, we sent the guys home and, you know, being in um, Erie, Pennsylvania is challenging in itself. You know, you're in a different country from, from most of the rest of the Ontario hockey league, but you know, our guys, um, they basically took their equipment in a small duffel bag and went home. And so they haven't had the opportunity to be back to their, their billets to get their stuff. You know, there's, there's no border crossing. Um, and so it, it was very abrupt and, you know, initially the two weeks was supposed to be where we were leaving it, but obviously that's been extended as the severity um, has, has become, you know, more increasingly clear that it's, it's not safe. And so they, they canceled the season. Uh, the standings were as, as they were when we left and we've had to, to face a number of challenges, you know, since, and uh, you know, one of them being the OHL draft, it was uh, you know, normally it's done online, but you, you do these things like you have, you have meetings in person with your scouting staff and the coaching staff. And um, you have a whole week event where everyone kind of gets to say their piece. And it's, it's good to get everyone together. Um, you know, we've, we've had to do it over zoom like everyone else. And um, I guess funny, funny stories, <laughs> you know, as we all go through these challenges uh, we have our first meeting on zoom and one of our scouts who I won't name, uh, but he, uh, <laughs> he, he shows up on the call wearing a shirt and tie and everyone else is all casual and someone called him out and said, why don't you stand up? Let's see what's, let's see what the rest of the suit looks like. And he had on his, his mesh athletic shorts to go. Of course. Top. It was, it was pretty funny, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's been challenging for us like everyone else. Yeah. And I guess the NHL is going to have to kind of go through the same thing with the, with the virtual draft. Did you find it harder to do that or was it kind of, um, because, you know, you still had conversations and you were able to talk. It's not like you didn't have any communication with, with your scouts, with your team because of the Zoom chats. But, you know, was it a little bit harder or was it just kind of odd more than anything? Um, it definitely posed different challenges that we weren't necessarily used to. Um, it, it was very efficient. You know, our head scout was able to have his screen shared for everyone to see the working list. And... I think there was some order to it. Guys didn't uh, talk over each other. I know that's one of the biggest challenges I found with these multi-people meetings is sometimes um, the, the pause between when someone's talking and when they're done, there's some overlap. And, and so it, it can get a little echoey or you don't understand what people are saying. And I mean, those challenges are normal. It's probably, there was more order to it than there was when we're in person because most of the time, you know, you got guys pounding the table and there's side conversations. And so it actually might've been uh, more orderly. <laughs> uh, we were able to, we were able to make it work. Certainly, um, you know, like anything, it's, I found it most uncomfortable, uh, you know, these multi-people meetings where you can't read the room. And so you don't know, 
what everyone's body language is when you're talking necessarily. You don't know who's looking at you and when they're looking at you. And so you're kind of constantly on. It holds you a little bit more accountable to being present in the conversation. But it was, um, it was a neat experience and certainly something to contemplate moving forward, I'm sure, not just our business, but all business that um, perhaps what we once viewed as essential it isn't so essential. And then you'll probably see a lot more online conferences and meetings as a result. If you're like me, you probably start thinking about what to eat for dinner while you're eating lunch. I love food, and that's why I love Postmates. But I kind of love them even more right now because I get food delivered without leaving the house or even opening the door. Given what's going on in the world, they created nine contact deliveries. So now when I order from local restaurants, everything gets left right outside my door. They also have Postmates Pickup, which I've been using to order takeout for my favorite local restaurants. Listen up. You guys need to be supporting your local neighborhood spots right now. I've only been ordering local because it's the great way to support my community. And Postmates doesn't just deliver burgers and sushi. They actually make life easier by picking up everything I need from either Walgreens or 7-Eleven and dropping it off at my door. Just download Postmates on iOS or Android, find your favorites, and get anything you want delivered within the hour. For a limited time, Postmates has given our listeners 100 dollars of free delivery credit for your first seven days to start your free deliveries download the app and use the code locked on that's code locked on for 100 dollars of free delivery credit for your first seven days when you download the postmates app anything you need anytime you need it postmate it oh 100 percent. i think that's kind of uh, at one point it seemed like no we can't do it it's too hard but once you're forced to do it, you're kind of pigeonholed into into figuring it out. And, you know, the world figured it out, a way to kind of get on with, with business and with life uh, without being face-to-face, which, I mean, I don't like that much, but it's it's good that you didn't have to completely stop doing things. Um, speaking of, you know, virtual online conferences and stuff, uh, you yourself, uh, along with, who's the, who's your, you have another co-partner with you with this, right? The Niagara Coaching Clinic. Yeah, uh, Murray, Murray Nystrom is the other guy who's kind of the, the head with me. Right, so you and Murray Nystrom, uh, this is your third year doing it. And like everyone else, you had to figure out a, a different way to put on this clinic uh, that like you usually do in the summers face-to-face. And you had to go online and do it virtually. Uh, just talk a little bit about uh, the coaching clinic and, and why you're so excited about it. Yeah, the, uh, the Niagara Hockey Coaches Seminar was something that I kind of went to Murray with as an idea back in 2017. And uh, I just wanted to provide an opportunity for grassroots level coaches in the Niagara region to have access to resources they may not otherwise be able to get. And so we kind of called upon our direct network of, of hockey coaches with ties to the area to do some presentations in a seminar format um, for free and uh, let the minor hockey coaches of the region have an opportunity to learn. And, you know, the first year was fantastic. We had over 50 participants and had all kinds of speakers from the NHL down to, um, you know, our level at junior. And it's kind of been one of those things that we decided to bring back on an annual basis. And it's grown every year. Our speakers are tremendous, uh, great quality, great content. And as it's grown, I think our audience is, um, grown as well. And so, you know, last year was the last time we were able to do it in person. The third year, uh, we had over a hundred coaches from, um, you know, minor hockey right up to the NHL who attended, uh, many of whom weren't even from Niagara. 
and we were still able to maintain um, the cost at an extremely affordable level. It was fifty dollars, and you get lunch and breakfast and all the presentations, which you know you really can't get anywhere else at that price. And um, you know, in, in keeping with that, you know, this year we obviously were forced to adapt, like everybody else. There, there's no opportunity to have these in-person conferences, and so I thought, why not try to why not try to get online. And so we used the technology that's available. Um, we've made some free offerings on Zoom and the response has been tremendous. You know, we had two this week that were the first two, um, over, over 400 unique viewers, uh, that was live and already, you know, uh, three or 400 views on YouTube. And it's, it's, it's grown from just coaches in Niagara to, uh, an outreach that I, I don't even think I could have imagined. You know, we have coaches from Slovenia and China and France yeah. and Russia and, um, and, 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 and not just coaches, but analysts and managers and scouts um, and, and people from all walks of, of the sporting world that uh, have tuned in and shown interest. And so it's been really, really neat to see the growth. And I think that's just kind of a, a an added bonus of benefit of being able to do it online where you don't have to travel to, Ni- to Niagara to be at the seminar. Now you can do it from, like you said, from Slovenia. Me, myself, I logged in. I checked out uh, today's coaching uh, coaching seminar by TJ Ministerski, and, and that was really interesting, kind of about evaluating and recruiting talent. And, you know, I by no means uh, am, am, a, am a talent scout, but I still found it super interesting and I learned and picked up on uh, on some new new things. And I think it's it's not just even for people who want to technically who want so much to, to work in hockey. But really, I think it's good for anybody who just loves the game and, and just wants to consume any type of hockey content. Yeah. And, and I think that's the thing that I found. You know, I, I did a presentation myself Tuesday. Um, the audience, uh, like you said, it was very diverse. In fact, we had a. Um, one attendee who is a data analyst in Major League Baseball at the Kansas City Royals. I, I thought that wow. was fascinating to me that, um, you know, someone would tune in and, um, you know, the, the feedback has just been tremendous um, from, you know, the tweets and texts and emails. You know, I, there was one today from um, from a woman in, in Texas who is a big Dallas Stars fan but doesn't get much of uh, junior hockey coverage or college hockey coverage in the state of Texas. And, and she reached out to say how, how much she was enjoying them and what she was learning and, and sharing with, with her network of people down there. And so, you know, I, I think in keeping with the spirit of why, um, why I created the seminars is to, to grow the game and to provide access to some of the stuff like this that, you know, people might not otherwise have who, who aren't insiders, who aren't fortunate enough to get to work um, in the game and learn from, you know, uh, all the great coaches and people that are that are in our, our sport. Um, it's, it's really it's it's a really rewarding and gratifying experience to, to get to do that for um, for the game of hockey. Yeah, it's a great thing. And, and they always say, you know, try and give back to the game as much as possible. And by doing this, you're, you're giving back to, to hundreds and hundreds of, of young hockey fans and not even young, but even some grizzled experienced vets that still, you know, they, they never finished learning. Like I know, like you said, there's people from all, all facets of, of hockey all the way up to the NHL that are taking part 
in these presentations and in these seminars. So it's 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 really fantastic what you're doing, and, and I commend you for it, and I really appreciate it. Um, when's the next seminar, and, and how can people sign up for it? So we uh, we have a number that are, are coming up. Uh, the next one is going to be May 7th. Dan Stewart is the goaltending coach for the Sioux Greyhounds in the Ontario Hockey League. He's going to do a really cool presentation uh, on the communication between head coaches and goalie coaches and then dive into uh, the analytics of some of the stuff that, that he's doing with their goalies and in the Sioux uh, and then just have a discussion with people about it who have questions and um, if, if you want to register, you can go to our website, niagarahockeycoachesseminar.weebly.com. Um, and the links are there for, for all of the uh, seminars we have upcoming. So, you know, on top of Dan, uh, Josh Holtmer is a mental performance consultant with Hockey Canada and Saskatoon Blades. He's going to do a presentation. Um, there are some that I've yet to announce because we don't have official dates and times, but um, Matt Ellis, former NHL player who's at the Academy of Hockey in Buffalo at the Harbor Center is going to do a presentation. Uh, Brad Flynn, the assistant coach for the Red Deer Rebels, is going to do a presentation. And Rachel Dory, um, who's at York University, uh, is going to be doing a presentation uh, that's data-driven and extremely interesting. And so uh, we've got a lot of great speakers coming up. And um, we're going to continue to try to do it, you know, through through. Um, this navigation of COVID-19 and uh, really with no end in sight, um, we're just going to keep on putting these webinars up because the interest is there. Certainly. And if you want to follow it ahead on uh, Twitter, you can also do that uh, at Niagara coaches. Um, let's talk about hockey and the game of hockey itself, uh, because you are as big of a hockey fan, hockey nut, hockey historian and hockey innovator, as I know, you know, we've had many, many, many discussions off air about uh, the game of hockey and how you think it, it could improve. Like it's great. It's fun, but you, you believe that the game of hockey is still ongoing. It's still fluid. It has been perfected. Like most people believe. What are some of the things that if you were a commissioner and you could change the rules and kind of make it the way you think it should be played, some of the rules that you would change and gameplay that, uh, that you think would make it, a better game. Whether that's for playing or sorry. One of the ones that I, I'm probably more passionate about that uh, I guess you would say is is a hot take is is the elimination of calling offside live during the game. You know, a lot of the questions about um, video reviews and challenges uh, and, and game flow, I think could be alleviated by uh, by taking the live call of offside away and, and taking the linesman off the ice completely. And I think in doing so, uh, you're going to accomplish a number of things. Number one is uh, faster gameplay. There will be no more unnecessary whistles, um, those calls that are tight. You know, uh, just allow play to continue. And if a goal isn't scored, then nothing of consequence has happened. And if a goal is scored and the play did happen to be offside, then just have an automatic review from the booth. Uh, that's something we already do and the OHL anyways. Um, and so then the, the second thing is that you're opening up a little bit more room on the ice, you know, without having to make major changes to the structure of arenas or uh, the ice surfaces, you know, two, two bodies, two adult sized bodies on the ice, um, you know, can equate to some extra ice, whether it's in the offensive zone or, or at the blue line for entries, you know, there's no need to have the linesmen out there anymore. 
I think two referees would be more than capable of, you know, calling penalties and still blowing the whistle for icing and dropping the pucks for faceoffs. So um, I think, I think that was, that's one that I'm probably, uh, I would be most interested to see is, is no longer calling offside live during the game. And, and that's kind of, the, it is a hot take and it's something that, you know, I see some merit to it and others. I, I just, for me, when it comes to, to doing getting away from, from the live offside calls is, you know, how long into the play are you going to, you know, blow it down and, and how much time is going to tick off the clock that you're going to have to put back on if in fact the play keeps going and it turns out to be offsides and then a goal happens and they got to go through all that, bring the clock back and, or you could just have the offsides called right away and then just get back to hockey. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it's interesting because like I said, if, if, uh, if a play is offside and, and nothing happens, if it's a regular stoppage or play exits the zone, I mean, there's, there's no need to bring the clock back. You just continue on and, um, gameplay kind of speeds up. The only time that you're going to bring it back is in the event of a goal that was offside directly as a result of the entry that ended in a goal. So at most, you know, I think it doesn't really change the review process, I guess. But what about the, like a scenario in which a team uh, brings the puck in offside and then they sustain a solid, like two minutes of pressure in the offensive end. And then the, the team clears the puck for an icing call and then they can't go off for a change when really that play should have been blown down dead, that pressure never should have happened. And then that team wouldn't have to be shorthanded or, or be uh, tired in the next shift. Yeah, it's a good point, but I think it's something that, that happens even now. I mean, if, if, a, if a linesman misses an offside call and that exact circumstance happens, um, you're faced with the same conundrum. So I think it's a challenge that we're probably already facing. Now, knowing what I know about coaches, because I am myself, Coaches are constantly looking for loopholes and ways to exploit the game. Um, and so I'm sure that there are some creative minds out there that would find a way to exploit the rules in the way that, that you just did beyond what we can think of off the top of our heads, which actually brings me to um, a second thing that I'd like to see, which is um, the point structure changed in, in such a way that I don't think I've seen too many people talk about before, um, and that's three points for regulation win, two points for an overtime win, and one point for a shootout win. And I guess that the reasoning behind that for me is, um, and, and just sorry to clarify, no points for losing ever. Um, hmm. To me, um, the value of a win should decrease in the manner that you get it. If you win in regulation, that's maximum value for a win. Um, if you win in overtime, it, it took you a little bit longer, um, and therefore it's not worth as much of a regulation win. And then the shootout win, uh, as has been challenged by a lot of people, it's some people say it's a skills competition in a, in a team sport. Um, and to me, that's the, the least valuable way to win a game, but losing is still losing. And so, um, I think getting rid of the loser point would probably change how the inflated point totals affect the standings. But I also think that it would challenge teams and coaches to be more aggressive and how yeah. they go for it. And in overtime, um, you know, you've seen the way that three on three overtime has changed since its inception. You know, at the beginning it was nonstop end to end odd man rush after odd man rush 
um, scoring chances and games were ending in the first two minutes of overtime. Now uh, coaches have found a way to adapt and it's much more of a possession, hang on to the, um, hang on to the puck and not give it up and circle back and um, be much more calculated. And, and, and to be honest with you, uh, at times it's, it's very boring to watch. Um, and so I think if you increase the value of the win and didn't reward losing, you'd see much more exciting hockey in the last five minutes of regulation of a tied game or in overtime, because that's your, that's your advantage um, in the standings is, is winning games and regulation. And uh, I, I think that would be a really interesting way to, you know, increase competition um, in some of those moments and, and challenge coaches and teams to, to go for it. I really like that idea, actually. I, I think that that's, that's something that I, I haven't heard uh, really from, from anybody. So there's not much chatter about that, but that is interesting. I think the one that gets a little bit more notoriety is the whole keep everything a three-point game. So, you know, kind of three points for a regulation win, two points for a regulation loss, but then you also get the pity point. Just make sure that all games are an equal three points uh, where that isn't the case uh, right now, right? And that's that's kind of the, the problem that some people have with the way that the standings work out. Whereas you're just saying, if you lose in any fashion, why should you be rewarded with any amount of points? Which to me makes sense. If you lose, that sucks. Try and win. <laughs> That's how you yeah. Win. yeah. I mean, um, like I said, and maybe it's just I'm a really competitive person, but I don't, I don't like losing. And losing to me is there's there's no there's no value in losing. So um, yeah, I, I just think that um, games aren't equal. You know, if you win in regulation, it's worth more than winning in a shootout. At least uh, even, even you know, I think the perception of it publicly, people people seem to, oh, yeah, but it was a, it was a shootout win. They were lucky to get, right? It, it's, you're kind of lucky to get that point. And so, um, yeah, I just think that would be a really interesting take. Interesting. Any other uh, innovations to the game that you think uh, that you'd implement? Well... I don't know if it's an innovation, but I know in junior hockey, I would love to find a way to not have to play three games in three days. That's, uh, <laughs> that's probably more on uh, the scheduling side of things. And I, I understand that it's, you know, the difficulties were a weekend driven league because our, our players are students. Right. Um, but, you know, like we're, we're a team in Erie. We played eight, uh, three and threes. And oftentimes they're, three games in two and a half days because he played on Sunday afternoon. And I, I just think it's so challenging for the players. Um, and oftentimes probably even uh, safety risk when, when you're exerting that much energy in such a short period of time, you become so susceptible to injury and uh, we play eight of them. And you know, that, that third game is really tough to get points and 16 points um, through, you know, eight games is a lot to, to be at a disadvantage right off the bat. Uh, you compare that, you know, in contrast, the Sault Ste. Marie Greyhounds have zero uh, three and threes. And so I think the imbalance, this is probably more for, for junior hockey, but the imbalance in scheduling is something that I would love to take a look at if I were uh, a league commissioner to say, um, how can we create a little bit more equality in, um, in scheduling games? Um, as for the NHL, I just want to get your thoughts quickly on some of the 
the, the playoff scenarios that are kind of being kicked around right now, is there anything that kind of sticks out to you as, as maybe the best case scenario? You know, it's, it's so funny because we actually faced the same challenge. It's what's a fair and equitable way. And I think no matter what you do, um, people are always going to challenge it and say that there's an asterisk or, um, you know, some sort of way to take away from, from the meaning of, of um, being a playoff team or, or say winning a championship in a season like this. Um, you know, I, I think the, the easiest way um, I think, you know, is to do what we did in the OHL and that's get a cutoff date, um, whatever the common denominator is for games played. And that's your, that's your final standings. Um, I, I know, you know, not all schedules are created equal. And I know that um, it would probably seem unfair to some of those teams that are in the playoff hunt because they still have the opportunity to make up ground. But uh, I just look at what, what the common denominator is, whatever that number of games played is and, and go based off of those standings. And should they have the ability to, uh, you know, to get games played in, whether it's in front of, you know, no fans or if it's at a, uh, you know, offsite arena, something where those playoff teams can, can play out the, the playoff schedule. That's the way that I would do it. Um, I, like I said, it's always going to get challenged and certainly that would be easy to say for a team who uh, gets in the playoffs, the ones who are on the cusp, I'm not so sure they'd be on board with that, but uh, to me, that's the most fair and equitable way. Yeah, like I saw, I think one of the more recent ones that was being thrown out there um, was something along the lines of having the top six teams from every division making the playoffs and then kind of have a, a one and done with the bottom four teams and then move it into a top four playoff race with those four teams, which doesn't seem fair to me that a team like, let's say, Toronto – will have to play for their playoff lives against a team like Buffalo, who's pretty well out of it um, in what I, I believe is just either a, either a three-game series or a one-game, one-and-done. And it just doesn't seem like that would be uh, a very fair way to, to go about it, a team who was much more successful and earned their way into the playoffs against a team who's just lucking out on it based on how they have to revamp the schedule. Yeah, I, I think there's probably two ways of looking at this. And one is – as a member of hockey operations staff, I, I empathize with the team uh, like Toronto in that situation where, like you said, you, you work hard through a season to put yourself in that position and, you know, to feel like a team who didn't necessarily earn it um, to have that opportunity to beat you. I mean, anything can happen in one game. And, um, you know, that's one way of looking at it. The other way is, is as a fan and, I think from an entertainment value standpoint, you look at the format of a tournament like March Madness, it certainly favors the underdog. Um, as I said, anything can happen. The amount of attention um, and you know uh, fanfare that that tournament brings is something that I'd have to think um, as a business executive, you'd look at and say, you know, despite the circumstances here, we have an opportunity to really draw some fan engagement, maybe create new fans um, in a format that is non-traditional because 
let's face it. I mean, what we're going through uh, isn't traditional. It's, it's something we've never seen before. And so I would have to think that um, the league office and, and executives are looking at all of those things. And um, there's no way to appease everybody. That's, that's the unfortunate part about all of it is that no matter what decision you make, uh, someone's not going to be happy. And uh, I, I'm sure that, you know, they're going to come up with something that at least is um, that tries to be fair and also tries to be entertaining for the fans. Cause and at the end of the day, that's that's what it's about. It's it's the fans. They're the ones who pay the bills. I think you make a good point. And the fact that if there is going to be an asterisk on whoever wins the cup this year anyways, um, now would be the year, if any, to try something new, to see if you can do something else to to create that fan engagement. So in a way, you know, that, that does make sense that they try something else, whether it is, you know, shortening it up to this this – uh, six-team division making the playoffs and do divisional teams, or it is uh, they just kind of give everyone a shot and do a Cinderella bracket and hope that uh, the Detroit Red Wings can go on a heater and win themselves <laughs> like six straight games and win the cup, you know? <laughs> but uh, how unlikely that would be, but it would be possible. And trust me, that I mean, what would be more compelling to you? If Vegas would have won the cup in their inaugural year, or if this year they end up doing this COVID-19 playoff bracket and Detroit makes a run and ends up winning the Stanley Cup? Well, I, I think the inner hockey fan in me would love to see a scenario like that play out just out of intrigue. Um, you know, I think I think that's uh, – it would be really compelling anyways. And probably, probably unfair, like you said, but uh, I, I know I would love to see it but maybe that's uh, better suited for, for the esports world. <laughs> <laughs> very true. Very true. Which funny enough, it seems like a lot of people are starting to get, uh, get all up into the whole esports clan, especially the athletes themselves. And now everyone's starting to, to jump on that bandwagon. Cause there's really not much to do. What have you been doing in your, in your uh, free time here during COVID? Well, it's uh it seems to change week to week. I know the, the very first week, um, I seemed to have a real kick of motivation, was watching a lot of NHL video and making clips for my own personal bank, um, writing articles. And then the second week, I think uh, reality sort of set in. And I, you know, a lot of people have expressed um, just. You know, the the overwhelming feeling that there's no end in sight. Uh, I had some tough days where, you know, it's you're not motivated to do much. Um, and, and probably the the mental break is a good thing to have. And I, I watched a webinar uh, with John Gordon, who's one of my favorite authors, and he made a good point. And that's, you know, it's OK to have those days of pessimism or negativity, um, but just don't live there. And I think. I've learned that um, I don't want to live there in, in, in that feeling or, you know, so I, I think in a time like this, there, there are probably two types of people and, and there's the people who are going to use this time to get ahead um, and that's get ahead in your relationships, get ahead in um, your work, get ahead, uh, you know, physically people getting into shape. It seems like everyone's really active out there. Um, you know, just, just getting ahead in life. And then there are people who are going to get left behind. And, and that's probably the ones who um, 
are, are just always in a state of, um, you know, sitting on the couch and, and feeling sorry for themselves. And I think, you know, at the end of the day, uh, there's only so much that you have control over. And I know that I have no control over this. And so, um, like I said, trying to not live in those feelings. So now I've, I've got a really good routine. I, I get up, um, I'm with my girlfriend. We, uh, she's a teacher. So we get up early, we get a workout in, I make breakfast. And then she kind of straps in for a, a day of e-learning with her students, creating content and uploading stuff. And then uh, I've been spending a lot of time on this webinar series uh, and doing all kinds of other stuff. We're having meetings with the hockey staff and um, doing a little bit of reading. The NHL Coaches Association has been putting out some great content. And uh, and then once you know, once dinner hits. Um, Every night, love watching Wheel of Fortune and Jeopardy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Uh, all right, Wes, I, I really do appreciate you uh, taking the time to chat with me today. Uh, and once again, if anybody is interested, and, and I highly recommend it, like I said, I, I did uh, today's webinar and it was fantastic. And I'll certainly be doing the rest of them uh, the rest of the way. Uh, you can check them out on Twitter at, at Niagara Coaches. Uh, also check out, they'll have the link to the, uh, to the website there. Um, and which say May 7th is, is going to be the next one. Yeah. May 7th, uh, it's a goaltending seminar, but like you said, at Niagara coaches is where people can find the information to sign up. Yeah. Fantastic. So definitely, uh, go ahead and do that. All right, Wes, really appreciate you coming on and, uh, chat with me today. No, thanks for having me. I, it's, it's great to have something else to do in the afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Have a good one, bud. Yeah, cheers. All right. I hope you guys enjoyed that conversation as much as I did. Uh, let me know if you guys want me to do a little bit more of those, a little bit more interviews with people from around the league. Um, I'll try and uh, I'll try and do my best to get as many people as I can. I can't offer, you know, promise I can get uh, Austin Matthews to come on the podcast, but I can do my best. I can do my absolute best. See who I can get. Um, but another uh, big thanks out to uh, to Wes for, for giving me his time and coming out and chatting and uh, giving us some intel on kind of the insides of what's going on with some of these hockey workers who are going through COVID and kind of uncertain times right now. Um, but is what it is. Uh, everyone's just trying to, to get through it as best as they can. And, well, Wes decided to... Uh, to do something constructive and, and now he's doing his his weekly webinars hockey webinars so that's something that's keeping him busy keeping him happy and uh and he's growing from it and he's giving back to the game so it's fantastic uh once again please do go check it out if you're just even a hockey fan if you just miss the game a little bit and you just want to hear someone talk about hockey go check it out uh, niagara coaches on twitter it's niagara uh coaching seminar um, it's fantastic. I think about one, once a week, I think he's going to end up doing, um, try and get a, a new, a new, uh, presentation each week. All right. That's going to do it for our podcast here today. I'd like to thank you for listening to the show. You can subscribe on all plaid podcasting platforms and receive daily Leafs content. You can follow the show on Twitter at Lockdown Leafs. Follow myself at Mickey underscore Canuck. And, uh, if you're looking for some more hockey content, go check out the Locked On NHL podcast where they'll play, uh, they'll be putting together lots of, lots more hockey talk uh, from around the league. All right. That's going to do it for me here today. Till next time. We'll see you. Till then, keep it locked right here on Locked On Leafs.